Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of the Games We Love podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, and the Games We Love is a show that promotes positive gaming discussion through interviews and conversations with passionate gamers, including journalists, developers, podcasters, streamers, critics, and other diehard video game fans about a personal favorite game that they love. In this episode of the podcast, I am thrilled to introduce you all to today's guest, someone I look up to greatly. He is the original founder of OK Beast, now a host for Kinda Funny Games, and one of the premier voices in games journalism, Blessing Adeo Jr. What's up, man? How's it going? First of all, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. You are welcome. You know, I gotta tell you, it's because you have I've watched you kind of blossom from an at-home podcaster, just like I am, and I've been doing for four or five years now, and, I, and we've watched you grow and take your craft to a bigger audience, and you clearly have a gift for that, um, the gift of Thanks, gab, man. if you would. And so I'm going to tell you straight, I'm gonna, not to pile on the like sweet stuff, but all of my friends that locally listen to Kind of Funny, everybody has been incredibly thrilled with your addition to the group. I mean, that's we, awesome. We love you. And so it's just an honor to talk to you, man. But I want to start off by just really just getting to know you uh, a little bit and finding out about your history. And to start, and this is kind of a big opening question. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can go wherever you want to go with this. Is but there like, a God? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that far, but we could talk about your, your past with that if you want. No. Um, what's your journey like as it comes to gaming, going all the way back? Kind of start with like when did you start gaming? Atari? Into, oh, when where I, was okay, it? all the way back. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been playing video games for as long as I remember, right? Like as a as a kid, I guess the earliest age I probably even like slightly remember was like when I was like four years old. And even then, I remember having like an N64 and like my first game being my first games being Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey and Mario 64. Nice. And I was just, I was just obsessed, right? Like it was, a, it was a thing for me to kind of go to as a kid to kind of get lost and have a good time with. And Mario 64, especially, was a game that I fell in love with and, like, you know, really, like, had a whole journey with. Of course, I had like three older sisters who would also like, who would also play Mario 64 with me, but I was like the main kid, like in the family, like <laughs> obsessed with it. And I remember, like, I remember getting to the end of it. You get to, like, the final fight with Bowser where, like, they're playing all the organs and, like, you're, like, it's, I think it's called Bowser in the Sky, like, that level, that, mm-hmm. that final level. And I remember, like, I remember hiding under the bed at four years old and, like, giving my, my sister the controller to, like, try and beat Bowser because I couldn't, I, one, I was scared and two, I couldn't figure out how to beat him because, like, you had to, like, you had to get him, like, three times as opposed to before where you only had to get him once. Um, and so, like, you know, that was kind of like the game that kind of ushered me into in, into the idea that man, I really, I really enjoy this. I really love this. And then I guess as time progressed, right? Like at a certain point, I got a PS2 and I got mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus and Metal Gear Solid 3, and like those games really kind of blew my mind because Metal Gear Solid 3 was my first experience with a Metal Gear Solid game, and that was uh, 3 was the game that I would say introduced me to the idea that like video games could be uh, really, uh, uh, video games can be a really amazing storytelling medium, right? Like, I, I, I lashed onto those characters, lashed onto those moments, uh, found myself really in, into Big Boss's relationship with the boss, which sounds ridiculous if you haven't played <laughs> unless you know the, Unless you know the lore, yeah. Yeah, but then Shadow Colossus on the, on the other side, right, like, really introduced me to the idea that video games can be a work of art, and video games can be this beautiful thing. Video games can have, like, a, a unique setup Right, that like really take you through an emo- emotional journey through not not only just 
like gameplay, but through visuals and through having a, a beautiful score, right? And having a, a beautiful message and all this stuff. And so like from then on, like I think that was that that had a, a large part into ushering me in into like my obsession. And then like there there are plenty of other games, right? Like Grand Theft Auto uh, San Andreas was another game that I got obsessed with. Uh, and even like from a cultural perspective, right? Like I found my I found myself latching on to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because I felt like I could relate to the characters, not in the sense that like I was a gangster or anything like that, because I was I've never been a gangster in my life, but in the sense that like these are characters that are like not only black, but in terms of the way they talk, in terms of the music they listen to, in terms of the way they interact with the people that are around them, right? Like I I I remember being like, man, I, well I never I never had that explicit moment of like this is something different, but my whole experience with with San Andreas, I think, was latching onto it because it was something that felt unique to me and something that felt like like I could connect to more so than a, a lot a lot of other games. But then like you know, got a PS3, played Fallout 3. You know, that's yeah. another one where I was like, man, video games can be can have great scope. You know, like I, I my journey with video games has been kind of my journey just growing up as a person. And seeing like the different things that video games can be and do, and so yeah, like my whole life I've kind of just been uh, obsessed and and, and love video games. That's awesome, man. Uh, so, did you ever go back and own the consoles from before you were a kid? So, like I started with the NES just because mm-hmm. of my age. Did you ever go back and get like a Super Nintendo or an NES and play I, those? So yeah, I started off with the N sixty four, and then. When I was probably like seven years old, my sisters got an NES because my sisters were obsessed with Mario Three. Good, which sisters. is smart sisters. Like, smart. Yeah, like yeah. you know, yeah, like they have they had great taste. They only got Mario Three for the NES. Like it for I don't know I don't know what it was about Mario Three. Well, Mario Three is an incredible game, but I don't know why they were like obsessed with it per, uh, per se. But because they weren't really like huge into video games, but yeah, yeah like we we owned an NES and like along with Mario Three. I think we would borrow games from friends, and so like we would borrow Mario too, and, and and um I think it was like a baseball game that like I bought from a friend for five bucks, and then my sisters made me return it because like I wasn't supposed to like spend that money apparently I don't know, um, <laughs> but yeah I had an NES, and then other than that like I I had I had a uh, a Super Nintendo emulator that I I used to play a bunch of Super Nintendo games I in Genesis, uh mm-hmm. and I had a cousin with a Genesis, and I'd be over at his place all the time to play like Sonic games and stuff. But yeah, like I N sixty four was my starting point, and I I like I would dip my toe essentially into like the previous console generations from there. Yeah, I think I think it's what most people end up doing is wherever they start. When, once they fall in love, they go back and find a way. I mean, I still play SNS yeah. games via emulator to this day on a RetroPie uh, because it's yeah. the easiest way to do it. You know, um, and, and re releases are amazing too because uh, like Mario one I played via Super Mario Deluxe on the Game Boy. Oh, and that yeah. was the way that I played that, and I fell in love with that. And then, yeah, like, there are plenty of games that I played via... Like, I didn't have a PS1 growing up, but, like, Metal Gear Solid 1, I was able to play through backwards compatibility on my PS3. And then I had a PS2, so I was able to also play a bunch of PS1 games uh, through that also. And so finding clever ways to play older games is always, like, a great thing. Yeah, for sure. So how did you get started in the video games podcasting world? How did you go from player fan enjoying it as a hobby to wanting to like share that with the world and talk about them i think for me it was around 2010 2011 ish or so when i got a ps3 um and i started i like i got a ps3 very late uh i i stuck with my ps2 for like i i yeah i guess until like 2010 right and like 
you know, I, I stuck with that generation for a long while. Um, it, so that when I, when I finally got a PS3, I felt like I had, I got like a summer job and finally had the income to like buy it for myself. When that happened, I, I, I think I had a moment of like, all right, I have this new console. I'm super late to it. What, what do I do now? Right? Like, I know I want to play Metal Gear Solid 4. I know I want to, th- this Fallout 3 game that's on the shelf at GameStop looks cool. Also, Deus Ex, uh, Human Revolution looks cool. Uh, and also I've been wanting to play this heavy rain game. Um, but like, where do I go from here? And I think it was just me, like, like, you know, always kind of being into slightly into video game content, right? Like I was into video game, like YouTube mm-hmm. and I would watch like machinima and like have like a, uh, a casual interest in let's plays and, and different things, right? Like I used to be really into actually a series called 10 for the win, which was on machinima. And it was like, I, I think that their, their names were Steven Larson, um, but like they had a channel I was, or they had a series I was super obsessed with, but I think it was around the time that The Last of Us was coming out. The Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite actually were coming out where I was like, man, I really want to, I, I, I want more content. I want to, I want to ingest more stuff. That's not just like top tens and stuff. That's not just like let's plays. I really want to, I, I kind of want to dive deeper. And I think that's how I discovered like a Last of Us spoiler cast that Beyond was doing for IGN. Uh, and I want to say that's how I started to get introduced to, uh, people like Greg Miller and, and like Colin Moriarty and like other video game personalities that I, at that, at the time I was like, man, these guys, these guys are really talking about video games. Like I can just sit here and listen to them talk forever because it was like listening to your, to your friends talk, you know, mm-hmm. or like hanging out with, with friends talking about video games. And so from there, got super into podcast beyond, got super into game scoop, got super into uh, other video game podcasts that I, I would discover, Giant Bomb, Married to the Games, a bunch of different podcasts. And I think at a certain point, I was just like, man, I want to, I want to do this, right? I want to work at IGN. Like I'd always, I had always uh, had knowledge that IGN existed and that there were video game news, but I didn't know that you could be a personality and like. It wasn't a place so. you could actually go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and and I always like in my mind, like I, you know, the idea of writing about video games sounded appealing to me, but the idea of being able to podcast about video games, I think, was the thing where I was like. I really, really want to be able to do that. And so I, from there, like at the time I was in college, right? And like, I think I'd already, my, I think my major was communication. And so that kind of, that kind of played into the idea of working in games media. And so I kind of try to focus in on that. I tried to, I tried to look more into, into IGN and, and, and kind of like what the different positions were and, and things I could do, right? I'll look into other sites also. And I think the thing that I kind of came down on because I'll listen to my favorite podcasters talk about this and explicitly say this right like i think greg miller would be the one to say that like hey if you want to if you want to do this full time then just do it like you know start it now like make your own podcast like build up that skill because people that are hiring like if you're trying to get get hired at ign people want to see that you that you have the experience and that you've done this before and so hearing greg uh say that and talk about that made me go like all right cool like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna create my own thing right and i think at a certain point like Greg and Colin and, and Tim and, and Nick Nick had spun off in a kind of funny. And I think that was like a spark of light where I was like, Oh, Oh snap. Like I can really just create my own brand and create my own like ecosystem in which I can make content. And so from there, like I ended up making okay beast, uh, which was my uh, site before I, I started working at kind of funny. I started that in like 2016 video essays at a certain point, we started making music at a certain point. Right. And like at a certain point we we're just like, yo, let's just have fun with this and, and make, make what we want. And through that, our brand kind of grew and grew until 
yeah, like, you know, kind of funny reached out uh, late last year uh, to see if I wanted to work full time with them. And that's kind of how that ha- how that happened. Yeah, that was fun watching you go on the I always get it confused with the We Have Best Friends. It's uh, up and comers, I believe, is what you went out there for, yes. right? For like a week yeah, or whatever. And, and yeah, we were all, there for a week. all of us podcast listeners were like, hey, we want you to be there all the time. What does OK Beast mean? What, what is that? Where did that name come from? It literally means nothing. It was one of those things where, like, I was looking, I I was um, trying to find a URL, right? And I was trying to figure out what I want to call my website. And I found that, like, looking, like, looking around, like, kind of funny or giant bomb or, like, any other sort of, like, site like that, funhouse, I guess, like, rooster teeth. I, I, I found that all I needed to do was find a good combination of two words <laughs> and, and, and a URL that wasn't taken. Which is the hard part. <laughs> yeah. And so but, I was like, all right, like, cool. I just need to put together two words. There's like a hip hop forum or blog, I can't remember which, that's called OK Player that I used to go on or or not even go on. I would like – it, it'd come up in passing, right? Like rappers would reference it in, in their songs and stuff like OK Player. And I, I kind of like the name of it. Um, and so I was like, man, okay, maybe I could take the okay part of that. And then there was like a rap group that I liked called Humble Beast. And I was like, okay, maybe I can just, just do okay beast. Cause I like the word beast. I like the idea of okay at the beginning of the thing. Okay beast. And I looked it up and it was free and I'll, and it was cheap. And I was like, all right, cool. Did it, ha- uh, made it happen. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where it came from. That's awesome. And when you started, were you, was okay beast like local friends you knew in real life or did you meet people online? How did you grow your cohorts for that? So it started off as just me. It was literally just like me being like, all right, I need a centralized place where I put all my my creative projects. And so, you know, it was me writing articles. It was me doing like my own interview podcast where I would interview interview other people. And then I would also like make like video game remixes and like music and stuff and upload it all to the site. A few months in, uh, my friend Ian hit me up who like he he at the time he wasn't my friend at the time. I, I didn't know who he was, but he had I guess he had found me through Google by just like Googling like video game reviews and video game articles and stuff or video game blogs. And he came across OK Beast and he was like, he hit me up and he was like, Hey man, like I like what you're doing here. Like I want to know how to do this for myself. Like I want to be involved and all that stuff. And as I, as I was talking to him and becoming friends with him, I'd also becoming, I was also becoming friends with um, another dude named Alex Van Aken, who I had met in the kind of funny Facebook group uh, because I think we had like similar taste in music. Cause I think he also, he actually also liked uh, humble beast which was funny and which is like a funny thing that i'm just realizing now like he was a fan of that same rap group which is like very much like an underground rap group like most people aren't aware of humble beast uh-huh. and so like you know we connected on that level and then also like he brought me onto his own podcast called pixel pulse radio um that he was recording with his um stepdad and so like i was kind of building the re- these relationships all at the same time um and like quite a few uh, quite a few other relationships i was growing within the kind of funny community because i was very active in the facebook group uh, like I was, I was an admin at the Facebook group. I want to say in like 2016, and so like you know, I I just ended up meeting a lot of people online, and then like yeah, a few months in, uh, me and Al- me Alex and Ian started an Overwatch podcast that we put on o- OK Beast, and by like that August, I think August 2016, I hit up Ian and I was like, Yo, Ian, let's just do a video game podcast and let's just have you be a part of OK Beast and make this a thing. And then yeah, like a year later, Alex then uh, Alex and Brandon both, because Brandon was Brandon is Alex's stepdad who he was doing the podcast with. We then brought them on too because like we found that we we all kind of worked together super well. Um, and so it was very much like a gradual thing of like, all right, like you know you're cool, let's work together. All right, no, you're you're also cool, let's work together. You know what? You know there's magic here. Let's just let's just uh, take this and move it forward. And that's kind of how uh, that that's that's just how that happened. That's awesome. 
Um, it's always fun to find out how podcasters come together because it's not something you can find forums on Reddit where it's like, hey, I'm looking for a co-host. That's usually not how those podcasts will be successful because there's yeah. a chemistry that has to be built and it has to be natural for you to yeah. be entertaining to listen to. Um, so it's always I, fun to hear that. I definitely got super lucky, too, because like Ian is very much like a uh, like a n- nonsensical, like like humorous dude. Right. Like, dude, that like. Ian can make a joke out of anything, right? Alex is, is a very talented um, producer and artist, and like just Alex just has talent. Um, and like, yeah, like we were able to kind of come, we we're able to come together and, and make something special, right? Like Brandon, Brandon is also like incredible on podcasts too. Um, and so, in a sense, I was lucky, but yeah, it was also the, one of those things where I think we saw our talents in each other, and because of that, we we're able to, you know, find that chemistry and make things work. Great. Well, last question on the get to know you here is I-, I wanted to find out, like, do you have any gaming habits? Like, what are your favorite consoles, your favorite, what are your favorite genres? Like, wh- what does Blessing do when you're not reviewing games? Because obviously when you're doing this as a job like you are now, you have to play games that you need to play because yeah. you have to review them. But in a perfect, in, in your free time, what does your gaming look like? I mean, honestly, I, I, so you know, a, a thing that I think is interesting about my own gaming habits is that, like, if you ask me my favorite genre, I don't think I could be able to tell you. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I I tend to flock to games of, I don't even want to say most genres because I don't even know what that means. But, like, I, I'm, I'm pretty good about being flexible in terms of what I play and enjoying whatever, right? Like, I love 3D platformers. Like, some of my favorite games are Mario 64 and, like, Donkey Kong 64, right? Because those hold a special place in my heart. But also, like... You know, I'll play like a great JRPG and love it. Like right now, I'm juggling three three different JRPGs and having a good time with them. Um, but like hack and slash games, you know, I'll find time for fighting games. I love uh, puzzle game. Like some of my favorite games are puzzle games. You know, I think of The Witness and Inside and Shadow Colossus, which I guess isn't like strictly a puzzle game, but I think of it as a puzzle game. Third person action games. Like really, I I I flow a lot between genres if you find me like an excellent game i'll play it like it's easier for me to even talk about genres that i'm not into which would probably be like strategy games but even 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 there like i'm sure like if i tried fire emblem i'd probably enjoy it and so you know i i tend to just you know go with whatever in my free time like i'll play a lot of overwatch because that's kind of like my chill out game but then like i also like to go back and just play games that i've loved from the past like whether it be like a sonic game or you know, I'll pick something random out of Rare Replay because I just love Rare games in general. Viva Pinata, um, man. Viva Pinata. You know what? Viva <laughs> Pinata is actually one that I never, like, fell into. Like, I, I, I started trying it out when I got Rare Replay, but it was one of those things where I was like, man, I, like, you know, my, my Rare is very much, like, the N- N64 mm-hmm. uh, and back Rare, right? Like, after they got acquired by Microsoft, that's when, they, like, I started to get... Uh, not that I got lost, but I didn't have an Xbox, and so like I just wasn't able to experience the, those games. Um, but yeah, in Rare Replay, like I, I, I started playing Banjo, uh, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and I was like, man, I really wish I played this at the time because this game has some really cool ideas, and it's actually like a very beautiful looking game, and like the game has excellent writing and excellent humor and all this different stuff. Like I'm like this game is actually fantastic. People don't people don't give it a, enough credit. Um, but yeah, like all, I tried perfect dark zero and I was like, I don't know if this is it chief. 
So yeah, Viva Pinata is definitely one of those ones where I was like, man, if this hit me at the right time, I probably would have fell in love with this game. Yeah, it was like it was like my Animal Crossing before Animal Crossing kind of thing for me. Viva Pinata mm. was just that perfect, like chill, that makes sense, fun, colorful, family, hilarious experience. Well, that's awesome. I love to hear that that you are into everything. I think I'm the same way, pretty much. Is I, you know, if it's a great game, I'll play it. And to, to your point about Fire Emblem, I was diehard not gonna play Fire Emblem last year because I do not like permadeath. And I just didn't want to deal with this long ass RPG that was going to mm-hmm. make me do this strategy stuff. Even though I loved like Final Fantasy Tactics in that genre, I played it my game of the year. I, it blew me away. Like really? it completely threw. Me, yeah, I've put in combined between mine and my daughter's playthroughs, we put in over 200 hours into multiple playthroughs, and it is phenomenal. So don't I, I would and not necessarily just to tell you to play that, but to mm-hmm. make your point of. You know, that's what the awesome thing is about trying games that are in any genre. You just never know when something's going to be amazing and click for you. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's kind of that's kind of my approach when I play a lot of different games is like I'm open to I'm open to it. You know, I'm I'm down to try it. Like Telling Lies is a game I played last week and I, and I loved it. Right. But like if you told me that, like, you're going to sit here and just type in keywords and just watch videos, you know, I might be like, hmm, I don't know if that's for me, but I'm willing to try whatever when it comes to video games usually. Well, that's a perfect segue, actually, because I wanted to find out about some of your recent gaming shout outs. Like what in the Hello. last six months have you really enjoyed playing? And it's funny that you mentioned Telling Lies, because I literally before we got on to record this episode, just hit purchase on my PlayStation to buy nice. it. Um, my daughter's 17. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, do you want me to wait until you're over here next weekend? And she was like, yes, yes, yes. She's a budding game developer. Um, and so so we're going to play it together based on your recommendation on the Gamescast I listened to about how it was good to play with a friend. So we're yep. going to do that. We're going to do the Greg Miller thing and like make, you know, charts and notes and just have a blast yep. with it. So maybe that's one of yours. But like, what have you been playing the last six months that you really have enjoyed? Yeah, Telling Lies is definitely one of them. Um, you know, play that last week, beat it. And it's one of those things where uh, I had I had. I have that moment where I had that moment that I have with with a few games where like I remember playing Shadow Colossus and like finishing it and being like man video games are cool right and I had that kind of same thing when I played Florence on on mobile and I have that I have that same reaction when I play quite a few games um Telling Lies was, was one of those games you know I I beat it and I was just like man as a medium video games are capable of telling like such unique stories in such unique ways and you know Telling Lies definitely definitely took advantage of what you're able to do with that and so yeah definitely recommend it i had a, i had a ton of fun with it uh actually hmm, i'm trying to think of what other games i played persona 5 royal uh, i'm 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 playing currently i am about 20 something hours into it uh really enjoying it uh and it's one of those things where i played the original persona 5 when it came out and the second time around you know playing it now the royal version i i'm enjoying it a lot more like I loved it the first time, but the second time it's it's definitely doing more for me because they've added like just a bunch of small uh small changes around the edges that really I think prop the whole game up and contribute to like a a much better um experience, especially within the dungeons in the combat. And so I've been playing a lot of that. The original Final Fantasy VII, I've been playing um about twenty hours into that. Um and enjoying that as well is one of those things where like going back to it, especially after playing remake, uh, it's been a treat to kind of see where where those characters are kind of rooted and where the inspiration for remake came from, and seeing how well they they remade that game one for one in remake, I thought that was very impressive. 
And then I'm trying to think of, think of what else has been playing. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel is another one. It's What's a that JRPG. One? I don't know. It's yeah, a not. it's a JRPG. It's part of like it's part of the Legend of Heroes series. It's a game that our audience, the kind of funny audience, recommended to me uh, because I I mentioned that I was looking for JRPGs that are like must play JRPGs on PlayStation. And basically, you're playing as this character named Reen Reen Schwarzer, and you are a new student at this school. I think it's called the Thor's Academy. Um, and you are put into class seven, which is like this this gifted class of students. You know, there's like nine students in the class, and uh, you all are are basically like these gifted students from different backgrounds with like different uh, socio like economic status. And uh, I'm only like three hours in so far, but so far from what I've played, I'm really interested in the story. Like all the characters have great personality. The combat system, or not even the combat system, the there is a system called. Uh, the orbit system in the game, which is very similar to Final Fantasy VII's Materia system, Ooh. uh, that I find interesting. Yeah. Uh, the game takes place in, like, a fantasy kind of medieval-ish kind of, kind of setting. And it has a similar setup as Persona, where it's like, you're, you're, you're a student, you, you take things day by day, and you go around, and you, and you kind of, uh, I don't know if there's, like, social links or confidants yet. I'm not that far. I don't, for some reason, I don't expect there to be, but I don't want to. I don't want to 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 say that outright because I just don't know yet. But yeah, like it, it's a combination of a lot of games that I love, and so so far I've been having a blast with that. Now I think it's part of a series. I've, I've heard of it, but I just didn't know anything about it. Is this? Yeah. Do you know if this is a good jumping on point for people? The one that you're playing. Well, so as far as I know, right, The Legend of Heroes is the series, but it. Trails of Cold Steel is kind of a spin-off of it, as I understand. Or maybe it, or maybe it's not. Maybe it is just like it an entry in that series. But like it's so Trails of Cold Steel has like multiple games in it. Like okay. I'm right now I'm playing The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel one. But there is Trails of Cold Steel two, three, and four. And yeah, like Trails of Cold Steel one is the beginning of this story. And so yes, like it very much like is a good jumping on point, is what I'll say. And if you do like it, there you are. You're, you've got JRPGs to last you for the next decade. Oh, uh, dude. Yeah, no, like, if I beat all these games by the end of the year, it's going to be a miracle. Give yourself a big reward if you do. Something. For you sure. Gotta, you got to no, celebrate, because yeah. those are I'm three. Gonna play a, I'm going to play a platformer <laughs> if I beat them all. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, did you beat Persona 5 regular? I don't know what we call it now, but yeah, regular or the, original? I did beat the OG Persona 5 when it okay. came out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing Royal as well. That's another one I'm. I put in about twenty. Ah, no, actually, I put in about forty hours to the OG, and then I stopped for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why, because I love P4 Golden is like one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and as so it should I, be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if it, if it got ported to P5, uh, PlayStation Four or a playable on PlayStation Four or even P5, you know, PlayStation Five, I would be thrilled. Uh, having it kind of locked into God, the lead, I was, lead. it's legit, so I was, I was thinking about this legit, like, for the last, like, two days of, like, one, if they put Persona 3 on modern consoles, I'm playing it immediately. Too. Because yep. I've not I've not played Persona 3, and I, 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 I badly want to play it, but I just don't really have, like, a way to play it in a way that makes sense right now. Um, but then, yeah, like, Persona 4, if they release some sort of, like, new version of it, like Persona 4 Golden again... I'd be all over it. Like I'd play it immediately. Like and it would I, sell I, so well. Yes. Like people would jump all over that. And so I don't, I, I guess like, 
at this point, they probably haven't done it yet because of Persona 5 and because Persona 5 Royals is coming out. They probably want to have, like, Persona 5 have its moment. But, like, if they don't take advantage and put out Persona 4 again, oh, man. Or Persona 3, like, oh, man, they're making some mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally, totally agree. Well, I, you know, I've been playing, um, spider-man uh to be honest so i i actually finished the main story last night i've been going back and trying to i got into this platinum thing and i blame you guys i blame greg miller is who i blame Mm -hmm. because after you know years of listening to him i finally just like fine you know what i'm gonna go for these platinums now and so i went back and i platinumed ratchet and clank uh, which i talked about in my last episode a series that i absolutely just adore and had a blast playing through it multiple times with my son one extra time in fact because of a stupid trophy oh so annoying Mm -hmm. Um, and then I decided like Spider-Man was next. So I picked it back up and I just, I love this game, man. It is so, so good. It got me to revisit into the Spider-Verse and I'm also a film critic and host a film podcast. And so in my original review, I remember kind of, I loved into the Spider-Verse, but I had a l- few reservations, not the case after, <laughs> for some reason, after playing this game, I just fell in love with into the Spider-Verse even more. And my miles really? connection is like off the charts. That's and awesome. I, and I need Miles in Spider-Man 2. Like, I need Spider-Man 2 with Miles to be immediately, like, happening. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just – I can't say enough about that game from 2018 and how perfect it allows you to feel like Spider-Man. I mean, it is, it's crazy. Like, but that's what you would need from that game to do first and foremost before anything else. You need to feel like you're Spider-Man, and it absolutely nails it. I, I have so much fun. I'm not a guy who normally likes to – change costumes and worry about too many different cosmetic, you know, things that you've unlocked. But in this game, I'm changing my costume like every mission just because I want to see all the different types of Spider-Man stuff. Uh, The open world is also something that I typically don't end up sticking through because the games are just so big and they're so full like collectibles. But this is one where I felt like you could put this game away for a couple weeks and come back to it and really quickly remember the controls and really just be able to jump back in. Whereas I'm also playing horizon zero dawn and I feel intimidated to go back to that after not touching it for like four weeks, because I'm afraid that I'm not going to know the systems as well. And I'm going to get discouraged and then just not keep going. Whereas this one as you boot it back up, you swing around for a little bit and then it's like your combat, you know, memory comes back really quick. I, I loved it. I love the way that it feels like kind of like Batman Arkham in the combat. Yeah as well um and then the story i just i love the collectibles i love reading all the lore and the backpacks you can get and so for people who have not played it i cannot recommend this one enough i think it is well worth whatever the heck they're selling it for now i mean it's honestly still worth full price it's probably a playstation greatest hits at this point um and so it's on sale for like 20 bucks or something all the time but man i don't know did you play the new spider-man game Dude, I loved it. Yeah, it was. It almost like was my game of the year in 2018, right? Okay. Like, it was one of those things where I was like, man, I love like God of God. Of that was War. the God of War year. Oh, that year was yeah. brutal. Yeah, and it was one of those things. And Smash came out that year too. And I, I think my game of the year might have been Smash, but like it was one of those things where it like that top three was contested for me because I was like, man, like God of War is is is, is legitimately a force, but like the amount of fun that I had with Spider Man, oh man, like. Yeah, I'm I'm with you that the the gameplay is so so good. All the different suits, right? Like all their different the different bu- abilities that come with the suits, like it, it made you really care about, um, you know, going through them and actually like equipping them, you know, and and and, and playing with them. The story is 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 so good in the game. Uh, like Mary Jane, I th- I think I've cared about this Mary Jane more so than 
any other any other Mary Jane um, when it comes to Spider-Man. And so, like, there's that. The the villains are great. Like, Spider-Man, for sure, is just an incredible game all around. Yeah, the the villains is one of the places that I think so many both movies and video games tend to sort of fail. They just never there, – there's so many tropes you can put a villain into that kind of make it not interesting, but they give you a real sense of empathy for Doc Ock in this game. And they and you spend so many hours with him kind of getting to know him um, that it is – it's a different take on that character than I've ever seen before, and I really yeah. appreciated that. I totally agree with you on Mary Jane. I went out like hot real quick and bought the Pop Funko figures for both Mary Jane and this Spider-Man because I collect them and I like having them up there on the TV in front of me when I'm playing a game. Um, but they, I was pretty surprised they even had one for. Uh, but yeah, man, I, this game has just, it's blown me away and I'm, I'm almost to the platinum now. I'm definitely going to knock that out. And then I have the DLC. Have you played the DLC? Do you know if they're worth it? Yeah. So I played episode one of the DLC and I enjoyed it. I'd never finished it just because it was one of those things of like I it it's hard to keep going back to a game, like especially like a month out. Like, you know, you finish Spider-Man, you're like, OK, cool. Like I had my moment with this game and then DLC comes out a month later and it's like episode one. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I would like to, I'd like to go back to Spider-Man. Right. And I played episode one and episode two comes out like a month later. And it's like, all right, I guess I'm going to pick up Spider-Man back up again. And it's like I like I, I, I started episode two and I was just like. I don't have it in me. Like, I love this game, but I like I there are other things that are happening. You know, like there are other games that are that are out that I just want to spend my time with. And so, like, I didn't hear amazing things about episode two and three, but like it's Spider-Man PS4. So at the very least, they're going to be fine. They're going to be good. Like, it's not like they're going to come out and make bad content for it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I, I think that I'm just going to keep going for that very reason, because I feel like, you know, once all the DLCs out and you're playing a game, it's kind of a good thing when you're going through your backlog. You have that availability of all yeah. the extra content so you can just kind of roll through it back to back to back instead of having to wait, like you said, and then try to get yourself to go back into that a second time. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, like going exactly. through your backlog twice, which is not usually something we're all going to do. Yeah. Well, the main reason I wanted you on was the theme of this show is the games we love. And so when I asked you what game you would want to talk about, you pretty quickly, without hesitation, said Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I did. I know you well enough from listening to you to know that this is not about recency bias, <laughs> which people may be thinking. I'll start with this. What made you choose this as the game you wanted to talk about? What makes it a favorite? I think for me, this is this this game is uh it. My feelings while playing the game were reminiscent of some of the feelings I had while playing like The Last of Us, you know, toward the end of the PS3 generation, and that's to say that the the impact that the story had on me as I was playing and like just the, the beauty of the the world and the setting and, and what's going on um, as you're playing, like I think hit on a deeper level than I've had video games do in a while. And like, yeah, like just overall, right? Like this, this, this is probably an example of the game, like the most recent game that has become one of my favorite games. I never, I, I hadn't played the original Final Fantasy seven, uh, at least like, I haven't played past the first couple of hours of the original Final Fantasy VII when I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I didn't really know what to expect from it because, like, I had demoed it before, but, like, you know, the the demos that I had done for Final Fantasy VII Remake were very much gameplay demos. Like, they are very much, like, like I was going through the, the, um, 
Mako reactor portions of the game, which aren't really that interesting, um, all things considered. Like every, with with everything everything that's jam packed into the game and the, like the di- diversity of what you're doing and all that stuff. Like the demos I had played of Final Fantasy VII Remake were ba- mainly just all combat and all just like linear combat areas. And so it was one of those things where I was like, I was going into the game and I was like, all right, like I'm looking forward to this. I know this is gonna be fun, but like, man, I, I have however many hours ahead of me, right? Like 30 hours, 35 hours ahead of me, and like let's see how let's see how this goes let's see if i if i end up loving this game and as the game was going i found myself falling in love with 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 characters in the way that i had fallen in love with characters while playing persona 4 golden which is like my second favorite game of all time and i found myself getting into the combat system in the way that like like this is this like this this combat system is my favorite combat system that i played in a while like I guess the previous one would have been Astral Chain. I really loved Astral Chain's combat system, but this com- combat system even more so. Like the materia system, which was present in the original game, but like me actually truly being introduced to it in this game and kind of understanding like how it can vary and the different um, variations that you, that you can have with it, with it. I thought added a level of of depth and player choice that I thought was uh, fantastic, you know, and it's super fun. The, the balance of the game, like, was super excellent with that. And, and then, yeah, like, beyond all of that, right, like, the, the, the world, the soundtrack, the, the characters that you meet along the way that are even, like, not just the main characters, but, like, the characters that show up for a scene, right? Like, there's so many beautiful moments that exist within the game, and I feel like they're drifting those moments, like, throughout the experience. Like, I, I, I never felt, there, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, this is boring, or oh, I'm not really having fun here. Like, it felt like the game was really ushering me from incredible moment to incredible moment to incredible moment in a way that almost felt overwhelming, but at the end of the end, end of the day was fantastic. Yeah, the way you describe it, it reminds me and it or it reminded me of when I was playing it too, of almost like playing an Uncharted game, which is my favorite series of all time, where you're mm-hmm. you're going through somewhat of a linear progression and it is that cinematic character-driven storytelling that is driving you from, you know, level to level and from set piece to set piece. And it's just getting bigger and bigger and crazier. And then you'll slow down and have an amazing emotional moment. And then you'll start ramping back up. Um, and it was it was really weird <laughs> to have that in a Final Fantasy game or in a JRPG at all, because that's just not how these games are played. They don't yeah. typically use that flow. Yeah, and... and... I think that's the thing that impressed me, right? And I think that's the reason why I compare it to The Last of Us is it is it is an experience that feels accessible in that that feels straightforward and natural as playing a Naughty Dog game where it is like, hey, no, you're just going through a linear exp- experience and you're just going through you're going through the motions of the stories and you're and you're going through the levels and all this stuff and you're having you're having a gaming experience that you know doesn't feel too complicated, doesn't it's not even it's not turn based, right? Like there's there's the whole uh, ATB gauge system. You know, which like it's not it's not super complicated, right? Like it takes a second to learn and, and to really wrap your, your head around. But at no point did it feel like it's going to alienate any sort of any any type of player. Uh, and so you you have that, but then also like you have you have like the those story moments that I feel like are going to stick as memorable, like in the way that that like Joel driving with Ellie, right, and like having the moment of like. Oh man, this ma- this magazine is sure is sticky back here. I don't know why that's the cutscene I immediately go to, but like, <laughs> you know, that's like a memor- It's like a memorable moment in the- in the Last of Us, right? Like you have in the way that you have moments like that. I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake has those memorable moments in the way that like 
you know, when Cloud gets back to uh, Seventh Heaven, the uh, the bar, right, and, and, and sees Tifa again, and, like, Barrett, uh, or um, Mar- Marlene, you know, uh, spots Cloud and gets scared of him, and, like, Barrett's, like, get away from my daughter, right? Like, for me, that's, like, a memorable moment in a similar way, but then you also have those bigger moments that are that are bigger than those, than those like, the, the, those small touches, right? You have the moment of, of, and I guess I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but, like, you have you have huge story moments that are impactful that have uh consequences you know for characters you have like different big events that are happening in the game that for me as they were happening i was like yeah this is something that's going to stick with me because like you know i really cared about this character and the arc they're having here is tragic or the the arc they're having here is very good for them and the way that the game is is the, the way that the game was able to ramp up to it and really deliver and stick those landings i think you know, should be commended because I think the game just does an incredible job uh, when when it comes to those moments. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I hadn't played FF7 in a long, long, long time. So since it came out, really, on the PlayStation. And so I didn't remember all the details. I remembered, you know, huge plot points involving Aerith, but that mm-hmm. isn't really even in this game. And so when a lot of these things were happening, I was still able to feel that same sense of surprise and shock and just be so connected to the characters. Like it was unbelievable how close I felt to them, you know, in, yeah. the, fir- in the original game. And you know this now, cause you've been playing it, but Barrett is a Mr. T like knockoff. I mean, he is intentionally there. See, it feels like for like, comedic relief mm-hmm. and oh my goodness. Like I, when there's an opening scene that I remember so well, one of those big moments you that you're talking about where he's giving a speech, you know, to his fellow cohorts in Avalanche. And I'm just like, man, I'm riled up. I'm energetic and I'm ready. I'm like ready to go. Sign me up. I want to fight. You know, like that to me is an impactful game. Like when it can do that yeah. to you and motivate you, um, then those characters are really, really strongly written. Yeah. And that's 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 my thing, too, is that like it doesn't feel I feel like for a lot of for a lot of uh, GRPG stories like things don't feel as specific. Like, I'm playing Persona 5 Royal, like I mentioned earlier, right? And, like, you know, the story is all about, uh, and this is going to sound ridiculous as I say it, but it's about high schoolers, teenagers, that infiltrate the hearts of corrupted adults in order to change their cognition so that they have a change of heart, right? And it's like, what does that even mean? And, it, and like, I, I feel like for a lot of... In, Granted, like when you kind of break it down, Persona Five is meaningful, right? And and it does actually like you know get deep in terms of you know exploring characters and exploring like the human heart and all this different stuff, right? But I feel like oftentimes it's hard to really it's it, it JRPGs don't necessarily dig deeper in terms of like politics and activism. Like you get that you you get that every every now and then, but even Final Final Fantasy Seven remake in the way that you know, it takes it takes those elements, right? It takes Avalanche, which is a, which is a terrorist group, right? And and their whole shtick is that they're trying to save the world and 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 stop uh, Shinra, you know, because they're they're killing the world by by taking its energy, right? By taking the Mako energy, right? The way that Barrett really delivers that speech in that first chapter of the game and really like makes you understand and feel for his cause in a way where you're, where you're like, yeah, no, I understand, like I understand why this activist dude is you know over the top like i understand why he's super passionate about this thing because like what he's saying if he if what he's saying is correct like it it makes sense and you know you you kind of get why he's 
he he's him and why he cares. But then you look at Cloud and you're like, yeah, I also get why this guy just wants his money and and doesn't give, doesn't care. You know, do, do, doesn't even like barely wants part in this, but just wants to get paid. Um, I think I think Final Fantasy VII remake does an excellent job of taking that and really like making it work in a game that feels like it's all it's also meant to. I want to say be mainstream, which I don't know if I don't know if that's the way that, that oh, that's I think the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But oh, it's supposed like, to be for sure. Yeah, like like Final Fantasy VII remake is definitely a game that that is supposed to appeal to a broad audience, and so, mm-hmm. it's, and it for all intents and purposes, I feel like is supposed to be watered down a bit, you know, in terms of the things that it's tackling, so that like people can get into it and have a good time and and, and you know not be challenged in any sort of way. I think what is actually there and what they actually present you know, is challenging in a way that, you know, it, it kind of has this cake in, in eats it too, where like, you know, you, 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 you get those broad strokes of this is what Avalanche is doing. This is why it matters. This is why, uh, uh, this is what's going on with the world. This, these are the complications of like when Avalanche blows up a reactor, this is, these are the repercussions, but then also this is the bigger picture that you have to look at. Right. Like I think they present that in a way that they, once again, they have their cake, cake and eat it too and you kind of get what what they're going for here and it actually sticks and and hits yeah the the gray area is one of my favorite things to explore in a game or movie or any sort of medium and that they do that they make you under they make you wrestle with the choices the characters are making and i think even more so what's important is they make the characters wrestle with it not just you as the game player or the audience but like you know about that because the characters are struggling to figure out like am i doing the right thing and it's it's not even like overblown or over dramatic in a sense. Like it's it feels very natural. And I think you're right. I think it feels it felt to me like it was trying to bridge that gap between broad audience and people who quote unquote like JRPGs. Because JRPGs yeah. comes comes with this whole baggage attached to it. Like, oh, that's that old style of game with eight bit and turns. You know, like that's what people think still to mm-hmm. this day. And so or or that's just anime craziness, which thankfully this game does not do until its last couple chapters. And then it definitely gets anime as whack. What did you think about that? What did you think about obviously without spoilers, but I guess did the ending work for you once it got a little bit less grounded, I would say? Mm-hmm. I it I have a love hate relationship with the ending because you know, towards towards the end, yeah, like things start to get get crazy in a way where, you know, the whole game up to a certain point feels straightforward and understandable, and it's like I understand these characters, I understand their motivations, I understand what's going on, I understand that I understand that these guys are the bad guys and they need to take them down, and you know, I like for me as somebody who didn't play the original final fantasy seven, I was like, I get what's going on throughout this whole experience. And then like, yeah, like towards the end, they start to muddy the waters a bit in terms of, yeah, like it, it, no spoilers, but like, yeah, it goes in a very like anime, anime ish direction. And yeah, my, my love hate relationship with it does, uh, does come down to like, you know, I, I understood it more when I talked to people who played the original final fantasy seven. Um, and, when I talked to them about it, I came away being like, all right, that's the coolest thing ever. Like that is actually really dope. And I can't believe they're able to like, you know, do this thing. But at the same time for me coming into final fantasy seven as a newcomer, the, the ending of the game just didn't make sense to me. And so I, and I, I don't like the idea that I have to either talk to somebody or like, you know, go back and play the original game in a game that you're presenting as like a fresh start. Um, that said, like I think I, I think I come out 
I come out of it with a net positive of being like, well, with everything kind of understood, and now that I'm playing like the original game, and now that I've talked to to people who have played the original game, like, you know, I, I look at the ending and it's like, all right, like you guys, you guys are doing cool shit, and that's like that's that's really dope. Yeah. So, what are you thinking now then about the future of this? Because this is obviously part one of x amount we don't know yet for sure Mm -hmm. how many maybe a trilogy maybe more we don't know but are you hyped for them in a way that you weren't before yeah for sure i'm definitely i'm definitely excited i think my i do have a tinge of like will they be able to stick the landing like they did with this first game like how how do they how do they go from here i think actually actually, honestly the thing that really like makes me curious now that i'm playing the original game is knowing that by the time you finish final fantasy 7 remake right like you are hitting that point where you're you're uh going into the open world in the original game and i'm like dude how are they going to do that because you know playing the original game it, the game feel the game is way bigger than midgar the the game is way bigger than that starting area that the that uh final fantasy remake 1 takes place in and so like are they going to go open world like how are they going to attack there like there's like a story event that happens too like after the open world like i'm curious to see like how they tackle that how, what percentage of the game that's going to be because like all things considered, right? Like if if the if the ratio is similar to to how they tackled uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, how much of that game takes place, or how much of that game, uh, yeah, takes place, I guess, in the original game, right? Like, does that mean the next portion that that uh, comes after is going to be like five hours? Like, what does that look like? I just have so many questions. That is like excitement for the game to come out, but excitement as far as like how how do you do this how do you go on like mm-hmm. how do you how do you move forward that's kind of where i'm at yeah i'm wondering if it's going to be something sort of like uncharted lost legacy where there's more that there's some linear parts to it and then like in the middle of that game there's this really random at the time feeling that uh with this big open world area where you can yeah. all of a sudden like run around in and do all this stuff and i wonder if it's going to sort of maybe feel like that where you had this linear first game and the second game is sort of a, basically a different style of game uh, it's the only way that makes sense in my head so i guess we'll find out um so so man so i yeah i'm so glad you love this are you gonna platinum it are you gonna keep going you think and try it no, on hard mode if it, so the yeah so the platinum the trophy that's 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 making me doubt the platinum is that hard mode uh trophy like yeah. especially because you can't use items yeah uh, <laughs> and so like that's the thing where i was like i don't know if i have it in me to play this game on a harder difficulty without being able to use items like items were like my saving grace in the normal difficulty and so i that to me is kind of out of reach if that hard di- hard mode difficulty wasn't a thing i probably would have put platinum this game yeah i'm in the same boat i i've platinumed or not platinum i've beaten three chapters on hard mode and it's been extremely different i'll tell mm-hmm. you it is a challenge like it is legitimately like you got to earn this one um, which yeah. is not not always my favorite. I like the ones that are just like gimmies. But, uh, exactly. but yeah, I know. But it is fun to play that play back through it. And um, I think that it's holding up again for me, which is really important on like a game that's going to be on my favorite games list. Is that something that you do? You replay your favorite games often? I think you mentioned you do like to go back to stuff. Yeah, like it, it depends on the game. But like in nowadays, it's not even as often as probably as I, I'd like it to be. But definitely older games, like I'll, I'll go back to replay. Like it's harder for me to replay a, a modern game depending on what the game is but yeah like i'll go back and play like a sonic or like a platformer or like a game for the ps2 era like those types of games i'll play i guess shadow colossus is a game that i'll I'll play just infinite times like that's just a game i like to boot up um and now that the ps4 version is is an option you know that's that 
that's the version I'll kind of go back to because that's like a classic game for me. But um, I'm sure th- this game in particular, I'm sure I'm going to go back to at some point. Like The Last of Us is a game that I played uh, two or three times. I want to say three times um, since it's come out. And I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake was, is probably going to be the same thing where like a couple years from now, I'm going to just want to experience the story again. At the very least, before the next part comes out, just to kind of get refreshed, probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. It's funny you mentioned Shadow of the Colossus, because another one I literally downloaded only yesterday uh, in order to go through that, because I have not played the original. And I had a family friend who was like, dude, this is my favorite game ever. You have got to play Shadow of Colossus. He's like, I'll come on your podcast and talk about it. And I was like, all right, well, let me let me get let me play it first and see what I think. But uh, so I'm glad to hear you give high praise to it, too. Oh, yeah, definitely play Shadow of Colossus if you're listening to this. Well, thanks, man, for being here. I really appreciate it. And it has been a blast talking to you, getting to know you. I just have no doubt that the listeners are going to enjoy this and they're going to want more of you if they are just finding out about you for the first time. So where can they listen to you on your podcasts? Uh, Plug anything you want. Twitter handles, whatever you want to plug, plug it now. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Blessing Junior. That's at Blessing Jr. And yeah, I'm on uh, PSLVU XOXO every week. That is uh, kind of funny's PlayStation podcast. It's me and Greg Miller talking about PlayStation, talking about the news, all that good stuff. And so tune into that if you're curious about PlayStation. Other than that, I'm on Kind of Funny Games Daily, uh, which is a daily news show for video games. That's on uh, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny, Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny, or wait, no, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games at 10 a.m. live. And so I'm on that at this point, most of the time. And so uh, check me out there also. Awesome. Well, listeners, if you like what you heard here, please subscribe. We're still new. This is season one. We're getting going, but we want you to share us with your friends. Follow us on social media on at the games we love on Twitter, or you can follow me personally at Aaron L E L white. I also stream on Twitch weekly, often open world games that are perfect for drop-in viewing. I'd love to have you follow and come chat where we can talk about your favorite games, movies, or anything else that makes you happy. You can find me at twitch.tv Aaron L white. We have conversations coming soon with more amazing folks such as YouTube film critic, Jeremy Johns, GameSpot editor and podcast host, Jacob Decker, Uh, former IGN host and the History and Games podcast host Megan Sullivan and more, you are not going to want to miss these. Leaving a five-star review will also help us to grow and get noticed and would be much appreciated. But thank you, Blessing, for joining me to talk about your journey and games. It's been a blast, dude. And thank you, everyone, so much for listening because this is for you. We'll be back soon, but until next week, get out there and fall in love with the game.